right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris. Episode 43 of the Sims and Lefko podcast. First time in months that Sims has heard the intro. It is. We got the IFB in our ears because Chris Collinsworth is going to be joining us soon. Right. The Troy Palomalu podcast. That's who I was coming up with. The yeah. Darren Sproles podcast. Exactly right. You got Darren, any more? Uh, I have none. What else. was it? The Purvis Ellison was the uh, basketball player. Never Nervous player. Purvis, the Gabe, basketball player. Oh, Gabe is going, Chris Humphreys. Before we go around the room, Chris I got Humphreys Kardashian. Yeah, Humphreys? Chris Humphreys. That's right. sad that that's what he's known Don't forget about Billy Bean. Josh, enough talking. We're going to get to you. In a second, okay. okay. Hey, I have weird. I love it. I have weird questions for everybody. Sims, what music did you listen on your way to work today? None. What music have you been listening to lately? Well, I like Lana Del Rey a lot. You're obsessed with Lana Del Rey. I am. She's soothing to me after having to hear you all day. It's tough. It's tough. Let me just ask you a question for you. Sure. Where is your skateboard and where's the ramp for later today? Bros, (laughs) we're totally flowing out there on the ramps today. Uh, Fendrick, what was your 43? Uh, Billy Bean on the Mets. Billy Bean on the Mets. My weird question for you. Ah, boy, I'm scared. Um, What is a... uh, What's your favorite food lately? What's really just... So oh, lately, well, last night I had a falafel sandwich from Mamoons in the East Village, uh, which was awesome. So I think um, what I'm is falafel? Uh, it's like crushed up chickpeas, I think. Yeah, it's like those and, like, brown and balls, ball. and they're green in the middle, uh, and they're kind of mushy. Right, yeah. nothing you would eat. Yeah, it doesn't Way sound. Kendrick literally goes to the most abstract places. All I really the time. don't think so. Mamoons is kind of. Gabe, here's your weird question because we're going to need to see your stinky fingers. Of the last three games of the Giants' schedule, how many will they win? Nope. Use no, your we fingers need your stinky fingers, please. Two. two. He's going with two. He's going with two. Losing against the Panthers. That means right. they'll need help. Yeah, you're going to need a lot of help. <laughs> and now to the control room. And, and for Cam, can we see dabs, please? Can we get da- dabs in the control room, if possible? Oh, and there they are. Da- and George I is afraid. I And Paul is hiding. He does not want to dab. No oh. dabbing. We got a nice show, though. I'm very excited. We're getting Chris Collinsworth uh, lead uh, analyst for Sunday Night Football. Well forgot said. his role. Uh, we're going to discuss Odell Beckham Jr.'s ceiling because, Ooh. wow, I mean, the guy is unbelievable. And a realistic one, not he could be one of the best. What are we really talking about? Right. Also, game picks. I believe the phrase is chip, chip, chipping away, <laughs> back tied. So the game picks, more important than ever. And then uh, we're going inside the locker room. we got four or five topics that I think are really cool this week that we're going to talk about celebrities in the locker room, fights in the locker room, stuff that we as fans never get to see yeah. that I know that you have seen. I so, have seen some of it, yes. Uh, do we have Collinsworth on the line? Do we want to go right away? Uh, not yet. we got another minute Perfect. or two. So uh, let's do a little roundabout of the league. Yeah. Patriots win, Broncos, Bengals lose, Patriots back as the number one seed, Cardinals and Panthers look great again, Cardinals the big win over Minnesota, Panthers... Look, they're, they're they're freakish. I mean, the, the, the NFC is almost boring. I think really at this I point. Agree. It's, it's, I agree. I think those three are boring. We talked about it after last week's podcast. Right. We can't keep talking about those teams every week. Those are the three best teams in the NFL. Right. We move on. The Steelers. It is crazy to me that they could 
miss the playoffs. Miss the playoffs or win their division right. and get in. So they're interesting. The Jets, I know that you think, are one of the best teams that no one's talking about yeah, right I now. Yeah, I think the Jets and Pittsburgh are the two most dangerous teams to me mm. in the playoffs as far as just upsetting the normal thoughts that we all think out there right now as far Boy, as – Boy, I'm hearing a lot of people ooh. talk about Seattle, Chris Sims. Yeah, I, I know, and I'm not sold on that bandwagon yet. I don't You're know. You're the only like one because everyone's doing this. Seattle, they are hot right now. They, they could scare people. Not that 49ers pass defense and those Ravens pass defense. Oh, and that Steelers pass defense. Ooh, those are tough ones. So you, It's a game of matchups. It's a game like of matchups. Say. They've been very uh, fortunate lately to play a lot of teams that they really match up well with, mm. uh, especially. That was th- my Kansas City Chief theory, and they've been proving me wrong. But Yeah, I think Kansas City's a more well-rounded football team. Listen, Seattle's still dangerous, don't get me sure. wrong, but I still have a lot of the same concerns. Do I think Seattle's pass games will be able to flourish against teams like Carolina mm. and Arizona deep in the NFC playoffs? No, I, I really don't have any confidence in that yet. All right, so while we wait for Chris, you have already watched uh, five games, I think, this week. I, I yeah. want to ask you about some right. topics I think are interesting. Yeah. One, Andy Dalton goes down, and we're going to ask this to Collinsworth yeah. as well. Interesting. A.J. McCarron comes in. Right. You watch the film of A.J. McCarron. Yeah. How big is the drop-off? Well, I mean, listen, experience, that's that's the biggest drop-off. As far as talent, pushing the ball down the field, there's really not much drop-off. Wow. I was very encouraged with what I saw with A.J. McCarron. And I think you know I was actually extremely encouraged with what we saw him in the preseason. You did think uh, he was yeah. better. He really – Because you didn't like him that much out of I college. I did not love him coming out of college. I did not think he threw the ball well enough to be a good NFL quarterback. But he looks to have some of those mechanical issues figured out. Uh, yeah, and I don't think this is going to be a situation where he's just going to come in and manage the game. Really? Uh, no. He is fearless. Uh, to a fault, almost. To a fault. I mean, he's almost like – Because you he, heard this during the, the draft process. Yes. The dude is, is, is borderline cocky. He's borderline cocky, which coaches liked. I mean, I, I know for a few personal workouts in yes. the NFL, like he showed up late to them. Yeah, uh, what did but he do? The way he handled it and the demeanor in which he did it, teams were kind of like, okay, we'll let him slide, whatever else. I mean, Why so there were – coaches like a cocky quarterback? Well, everybody likes a – one, if he's cocky, but the people like him as well. And I had heard from a few coaches, like, the, the when they would go to – workouts at Alabama, like the receivers, the running backs, the tight ends that were part of the workouts, mm. really loved A.J. McCarron. So I think that put a little stock as far as... Oh, I, feel he, like, okay. I feel like we can't talk about how cocky A.J. McCarron is without bringing up the Tom Brady quote. Yeah, right. Which well, that says it that all. Exemplifies right. it yeah. to what, what did you think when you heard him say that? Well, uh, I, I honestly thought Good for him. I really did. Is that lofty expectation? Sure, but he's obviously thinking big. He's thinking, hey, we can still do this. So he has belief in himself and the team. I think that's a big thing. And, yes, he doesn't need to do it all himself like Tom Brady did back at that time. Just you got some weapons. You got a run game. Your defense pretty good. Uh, Just – Kind of take what they give you. So I'm going to start off my blasting of Fendrick today because it's going to be a good blasting oh, of podcast. Uh, first, I think what you said is the right – that's what a lot of the media has been asking is, did he compare himself to Tom Brady? I don't think there's anything wrong with going, hey, someone who was great went through the same thing I don't, as well. I, actually, I don't either. But I, I just I, want to know Chris's reaction. For sure. I think it's really interesting, though, that because an athlete mentions another athlete, we start going, can he be Tom Brady? Right. Which is so unrealistic. Yeah. And, and franchises and no all point. that stuff. Uh, well, the other thing, I there's no point even. I think the other thing you have to really hit on. With I think AJ that Mc- if I was AJ McCarron, yeah. I would say that stuff in my head all the time, sure. just to give myself positive confidence. reinforcement. Yeah. I can do this. I can win. I could be Tom Brady. Why not me? Sure, that's part of being an athlete. Just talking to yourself and, and convincing yourself of bullshit. Did you uh, ever? What bullshit did you well, convince I mean, yourself I, of? I mean, listen. You just you're you're constantly. You know, hey, I'm going to have a good practice today. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. 
10 completions in a row. Ten compl- like I would yeah. say things like that as I'm warming up just to get it's myself like in a mindset. like right before the bench. All right, I'm going to put But the thing about AJ McCarron, I think you got to hit on a little too. Um, you're talking about a guy who's played a lot of big football games. So he's he not was gonna really be, good in those big he, games, Right, too. he's not going to be flustered by this situation. I mean, he's played in national championship games, played in two, right, if I'm right, uh, if I'm not wrong. Yes, uh, I think you're right. Well, let, yeah. me, let me ask you a question about that, though, because is playing in a big college football game, how does that compare to playing Well, yeah, the, the talent's not the same, but yeah. the atmosphere and the pressure on the quarterback to do the things at the mm. line of scrimmage as far as execute, play in, and play out, that doesn't really change, and being under that microscope. So there is something to that as far as just being battle tested sure. a little bit but Leo, let me just tell you I was really in, I was impressed with what I saw they're not dead the Cincinnati Bengals I mean just the way he came in firing at AJ Green throwing some deep in cuts yes interceptions I know we're bad yeah. either way but let's not judge it too quickly a week of practice very hard what he did to come in week what was it week 14 yes and play like that uh give him a week get a little timing rhythm with those receivers, I bet you he's much better this week. If I would have told you before the season that the number two seed in the AFC would come down to a battle between A.J. McCarron and Brock Osweiler, (laughs) you would have been like, are you kidding me? But that's where we are. And that's why we look at the Patriots and everybody else. Because in the end, you can't bet on those guys. The other uh, game I want to mention while we wait for Collinsworth – uh, Green Bay. Yeah. It, it was very interesting to me that Mike McCarthy, this has sort of been his thing the last few years, let someone else do the play calling, doesn't work, and then here I am to save the day. And I saw a very funny tweet this weekend that was the coach and the play caller that was lambasted by the national media right. for being too conservative in the NFC Championship game right. is now the savior for this <laughs> Green Bay Packers team. Right. But I'm curious, you see the play calling we've talked about on the podcast, it's not necessarily the X's and O's, right. but it's the timing and the and the structure of when you call them. What did you think when you watched the film yeah. about the play calls? One made? of the first things I watched yesterday, producer Josh wanted me to get on that to see if anything had changed in the offense. I think the big thing was more fullback on the field. Kuhn. John uh, Kuhn. John yeah. Kuhn, yeah. John Kuhn being on the field was really the big difference I took away from the game. He was on the field more uh, in some of your traditional sets, whether it could be him, in, you know, Rodgers in the shotgun, back behind him, Kuhn's right next to him, uh, that. And then even sometimes a tight end in the backfield acting like a fullback. But mm. you could tell there was an emphasis on the run game. Hey, number one thing Green Bay has to do, and I know they told my father this before the Detroit Thursday night game, they got to take pressure off Aaron Rodgers. It's just way too much what yeah. they're asking them. So they're very conscious of it's that. It's nice that they realize that. It is nice that they realize that. But they know they're putting him in a no-win situation. So uh, the the power run game was certainly a point of emphasis. But, yeah. I, what listen, was the run game before? Was it just like a, a well, trap I, game? Well, I feel like they, were, they would start the game up. Let's get the short passing game going. Let's get Rodgers and the receivers in a rhythm. But that's and their whole passing game. It it's is not their whole the passing, passing game. game. Exactly right. And they're just not that talented to say we can come out there and do that week in and week so out. Do you think that he's changed the identity by his play calling? I think he's changed the identity. I think he has to change the identity. I think they almost need to become somewhat of a power running football team if they want to be a legit uh, NFC contender to go to the, the Super Bowl. Do they have the offensive line personnel, and do you have enough faith in Lacey to establish that in games? Yeah, I do. I, okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of Lacey. Lacey looks healthy to me. Uh, he looked back in that game. Yes, he, he really does. Lacey is talented. Now, I like James Starks, but I'm not in love with James Starks. James Starks, the hole needs to be there, wide open. He'll run through it. He'll get yards. Eddie Lacey is capable of creating yards by himself. When that you look the at the Packers, and right. if they can successfully adapt this right. identity, yes. you've been saying all year they're yeah. not capable of making a run. Right. Does this make them capable of making no, a run? No, I have to see more, uh, a few more weeks of this uh, establish itself as far as just this power running philosophy because at the same time, yes, I know they won 28-7, to but 
Five minutes left in the fourth quarter, the game was 14-7 to still. So mm. I'm not going to go, oh, well, Green Bay's fixed all their problems. The big thing that I took, the other thing I think took away, and you hit on it, being a play caller is about the timing of your play calls so much. Hey, a lot of these coaches all have the same plays, but it's how you package them together and then what situation do you call it as far as having a feel for, hey, I know this defensive coordinator on third down. Right. He might bring this type of blitz. Let me call this screenplay. And that's what McCarthy, I thought, did phenomenal in the game. He called some red zone screens when they were on the 20, 22-yard line, got them down to the uh, yeah. two, three-yard line, which were huge, allowed them to score touchdowns. And then the draw plays in the run game. We talked about how much they do the quick passing game. Well, now Aaron Rodgers gets the snap. He looks like he's going to throw the short passing game, and then he hands and it everyone's off. Dropping everyone's back. dropping back into their zone coverage. So they really did a good well, job with that as well. What you just said right there, even if your offensive line isn't great, a draw and a screen yes. is instantly creating time for the quarterback. Right, and, and keep it, defense. Crea- it, it stops. Like I, I think the perfect example of what was wrong with the Packers was the first Detroit loss, right. where it was four Detroit defensive linemen, right. every single play going, we're getting Aaron Rodgers. Exactly right. They know how far he's dropping him yeah. back every single play right. and if you create unease in that I've met defensive players you've been in the locker room with defensive players yeah. when they get confused they're in trouble right because I talked to Von Miller I'll put Von Miller on blast Von what do you think of the West Coast offense what do you think of this his answer to me man I just go get the quarterback exactly right he's because not worried about that overall about. exactly right uh yeah so they're they're an interesting team Green Bay I'm not sold on them by any fact but because who do you I have think more confidence in Seattle or Green Bay Seattle I do have interest yeah I do because who do you least, have more confidence in Seattle or Minnesota uh ooh, Seattle or Minnesota definitely Seattle okay Seattle's scary I mean I, I understand the the thoughts I'm just not sold on Seattle's offense and I do worry about Seattle I mean Let's not forget, it was just two weeks ago when Big Ben threw for 450 yards on that secondary. So I know Baltimore made everybody warm and cozy. Yes. But, yeah, I would still worry about that defense against Carolina and Carson Palmer with Arizona. Mm. They'll they'll tear them apart. Do we have Chris? Not yet. I love it. We're getting the Cromartie treatment right now. He's late. He's a deep – well – I mean, receivers are way more divas than cornerbacks. They're definitely the lead the locker room in divaness. Really? Definitely. Give me your diva power rankings. Oh, man. Diva power rankings. So you're going wide receiver number one? Uh, yeah, wide receivers are usually me, number one. So you, I, I love Because DBs used to get, they're used to getting beat and put down a little bit so they can, like, overcome the obstacles. Uh, receivers, if they go, like, a few periods of practice. They can blame the quarterback. They can blame the offensive line. Yeah, they can blame, blame the, the co- play caller. So, I mean, so break this down. I yes. loved when you were breaking down offensive line, you were saying they were like cattle. Right. So wide receivers, like, why do you think they are the most even? And, and, and well, they're the cherished athlete. I mean, let's, let's, like, let's look at a guy like, uh, like Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he's probably been the freakiest athlete on every team he's ever been on since the age of eight years old. So everybody's always catering to him. Hey, kick the ball to Odell if it's soccer. Pass the ball to Odell if it's basketball yeah. or football. Either way. I would also say to your point, whenever they do something good, right. it's extremely celebrated. Oh, my gosh. And when the quarterback does something well, the wide receiver is the one on camera celebrating. <laughs> right. you, you typically miss right. the Bridgewater fist pump <laughs> right. or, uh, unless it's like No, we're Tom into the Brady. choreographed session in the end zone. Okay, so you go wide receiver one, yes. corner two? Yeah, corner would are be Are you two. saying this because you're a quarterback? And, like, I mean, quarterbacks are kind of divas. Quarterbacks man. are divas, but I think if you I, – I They also feel the brunt of the loss. They brunt of the loss. They probably also have to work – you know, they work a lot during the week because they have the most on their shoulders so you mentally. you say quarterbacks work harder than wide receivers and corners. Well, they have more on their shoulders. As okay. far as the game plan goes. All uh, right. So if I were to ask random right. people in the street, I think cornerback, cornerback, wide receiver, quarterback would be in the top three. Yes. Who is number four? Ooh, number four. That's a good one. Um, number four. I have my guess. 
Pendrick, do you have a guess? RBs are I never divas. Runnecks are never divas. RBs are never really divas. No, they're not. Because they have never, a lot of blocking in their and repertoire. And they're just tough, and they just, you know, hey, I'm here to play football. Give me the ball. I'll smash into him. You know, call pass play. I'll smash into him and block him for you. What do you what's your guess? My guess was going to be middle linebackers just because they are the quarterbacks of the defense. See, at my guess, and my guess is exactly what Gabe's is. Pass rushing defensive yes. ends. Because yes. to me, the reward, much like a wide receiver, right. is extremely celebrated right. and there's a dance out. No doubt about it. Simeon Rice, great work ethic, certainly had some diva qualities. I mean, when he came in the locker room, I thought it was Brad Pitt walking in most days. He was dressed. He had jewelry on. He was letting everybody know, hey, I'm the man. But isn't it funny Uh, that a wide receiver, a corner, and a defensive end can have two big plays – and they're a pro bowler in yes, a game. Right. They have two sacks, two touchdowns, two interceptions, yeah. star. Quarterback, I mean, you have to be – we're looking at 38 of 40. We're looking at completion yeah, percentage. Yeah, it has to be truly oh, he had, consistently sure he had four special. touchdowns, but that, right. pick, right. that pick, we look more than negatives. Well, um, I think the two sacks a game thing, I think if we all went around and watched NFL left tackles in training camp and watched them do one-on-one pass rush drills against defensive players, we'd go – Damn, I, can anybody ever get a sack on that guy? So I think it's one of those things, once you see it in person and you yes. realize, man, getting around Trent Williams is not so easy. Uh, Who is the get, least you... divas person? And if you're going to say offensive line, you have to pick a position on the offensive oh, line. Oh, least diva. Yeah, I mean, center center would be up there as far as least diva. Center is the usually the alpha male of the group of the offensive linemen. Them are the left tackle. Uh, but they're usually one to call everybody out, like, Hey, we're sliding this way, or you know, hey, dumb f- left tackle. I called this, you know. He'll he'll say it. <laughs> I forgot right. that we could curse in the podcast. So, I got yes. really nervous <laughs> so, when he said that. So uh, the, the I would say yes. The center is usually the guy that, other than the quarterback, of course, he has great physical demands, mm. but then his mental demands are the center at the line of scrimmage. It is not easy. All right, how are we doing on Collinsworth? No Collinsworth. Oh, uh, this right. is great. I'm, this I'm is going to be it. awesome. Uh, let's I get think Sims it. likes it more when the guest. I like when he's late. Time yeah, because now I get a free minute of just taking shots. Collinsworth? What are you, Adam Shine over here? I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, Adam Shine. Adam Schefter. Schefter. <laughs> I got breaking news. Uh, that's Adam Shine combined with Adam Schefter. Right. Um, one thing that was interesting that we've talked about, and we were going to ask it to Collinsworth, but I'll ask it to you. It's really funny to me that the Atlanta Falcons were, what were they, 3-13 and 13 last year? 2-14? Yeah, uh, no, no. The Atlanta Falcons. 4-12? You're, keep going. This is as bad as your John Madden comment last week. Atlanta, Five and eleven. They lost the last game of the year to go to the playoffs against the Carolina Panthers. I think they were seven and nine. Am I not right? I don't know. Are you yes, stat boy? Come on, stat boy. All right. So anyway, uh, Falcons go there. They get a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator. They shuffle up their front office. Right. Their offensive line was awful last year, right. and no one had any expectations. Six and ten. For, six they were and six ten. and ten. Okay, so I was. I <laughs> You're was close. Off. You're closer than I thought. Um, six and ten. And yet they go out there and they win the first five games of the year. Right. And now they're looking at six and seven as a failure. Meanwhile, they've matched their entire win total of last season. Yes. And then I look at teams like the Jaguars where you start off slow and people are talking very glowingly about Gus right, Bradley. Right. And I'm trying to think of other uh, – like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, like right. They come up, the Tennessee Titans. The well, Houston no, they got Texans. The, I mean, there's a lot of teams, yes. Was it really harmful for them to start off so well? I feel like now I'm hearing people about hot seat, Matt Ryan being awful. Meanwhile, there shouldn't have been much expectations. No, there shouldn't have been. I think the 5-0 and start was the worst thing that could have happened to them. Uh, I, I do believe that. I mean, talk about Dan Quinn on the hot seat 
all that. That is just so ridiculous. I, I can't even explain it. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, where were the expectations of this team to start the year? Yeah, I think we all thought they were 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight type of football team. Yeah, the, ch- the start of the year definitely changed those expectations. The explosive nature of the offense changed those mm. expectations early in the year with the running game, all the big plays, the Julio Jones. So everybody thought, at the very least, this is going to be an exciting team to watch. But as lately, that has stalled out. And then the defense itself, uh, you know, everybody's kind of caught on, like we've always talked about, that Seattle scheme, because it's Seattle runs it, Jacksonville runs it, Oakland runs it, Atlanta would, runs it. And I would argue out of those four teams that you mentioned, right. Atlanta probably has the worst personnel out of those four the teams. The worst personnel, and I would say if we looked at all of them, I would say all four of those teams definitely – uh, other than Seattle, are in the bottom third in football and pass defense. Mm. Uh, so people have caught onto that scheme. But yeah, I, I, when I evaluate Atlanta, the first thing I look at is the team itself, like you just said, the personnel. Who's there to be scared of on that defensive line? Yeah, okay, Vic Beasley's there as a first How's rounder. How's he been playing? He's, he's solid. He's not great. He's Mr. I almost got the quarterback, but I didn't get the sack. That's kind of what it that is, is right now. Yeah, he, it is tough. Offensive line is average. They were doing that with smoke and mirrors early in the year, just as far as good game planning. Mm. And then, of course, teams that were playing them were still getting used to defending them and what they do. Uh, so it can be. I was involved in a team like that with the Denver Broncos. 2009, Josh McDaniels, we started out 6-0. and uh, I at no point did think like, oh, we're 6-0. and We're one of the best teams in football. But we, this is the Kyle Orton 6-0. It was Kyle Orton 6-0. Josh's offense was new to the AFC West, so they were getting used to it. We caught some teams by surprise. We had Mike Nolan as our defensive coordinator. He did some crazy so he had things. some good coaches. We had some good coaches. We won by coaching early there. But then we went into a bye week. Took our mojo away a little bit. Ooh. We came back, and we had to play an angry Baltimore Ravens team. And, got butt and they went there, and they whooped our butt, and it's like it, it changed us for the rest of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, is there a moment in the locker room that you remember or whatever when you went, wow, I mean, that was a Fugazi 6-0. and Like, did you question yourself immediately? Not immediately, but I, I think when we lost, maybe like we lost like the third or fourth in a row, we played like the San Diego Chargers, and the Chargers, of course, were making one of their typical late, late November, December yeah. Pu- yeah, pushes. Uh, and we got on the field with them, and I remember just going, oh, man, we're not in the same class as them, and they were just like a wild card team. Wow. Uh, and that was kind of the moment for me, like, yeah, they're, they were a little better than us in all areas where I thought, okay, we're a borderline wild card team. It's funny because uh, it, it changed of, my opinion. Talking about exceeding expectations early, right. I've always compared it when you're playing pickup basketball, the worst thing you can do is score a lot in the first game because then everyone's expecting it and then you underperform. It's like, oh, you were a flash in the pan. And you talk about coaches all the time. They look at jobs and go, where can I have very low expectations? Exactly right. You always talk about coaches love that. Coaches crave going to jobs with no expectations. Yes, I, that's why I think – which is crazy because we think about coaches wanting to win. No, I know. I, and, of course, teams do. I think there's some teams that would debunk that theory. Like a coach would take the opportunity to go work for the Pittsburgh Steelers or the New York Giants or the New England Patriots. But that's because you have a good boss. Exactly right. So that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. But, yeah, the other teams, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I know you and I have talked about it. Tennessee Titans, if Mike Malarkey doesn't get to be the head coach there – Every head coaching possibility is going to want to go to Tennessee. Why? Because they've done nothing. So For the, the last four years. Yeah, the low expectations. So even a four-win Even the end of good. Fisher's career was nothing special. And then you have a gem of a quarterback for the next ten years. Wow, so, did you hear that? A gem? He's, 
He's on the Mariota bandwagon. Yeah, now. yep. I, I've been on it. I mean, yeah. I, I, Marcus Mariota is—he's here to stay. There's no doubt about it. That's awesome. I mean, Jameis Winston gets my Rookie of the Year. But sure. Right. And then Peters is close behind. Marcus Peters, without a doubt. Two minutes. Two, two minutes. minutes. Uh, I, I want to have this conversation then. Antonio Gates, I thought, had a very interesting quote. So it's been a very rough year for San Diego. He had a rough start to it, missing four games because of reported performance-enhancing drugs. And he was asked after this last loss to Kansas City, which Woodhead drops the ball and it was just a rough game. He said, (laughs) I don't want to go out. He was asked, are you going to come back next year? He says, I don't want to go out this kind of way. I don't want to go out a loser. And here is Antonio Gates, who's going to go down as one of the top five tight ends of all time. He owns a ton of records with the tight ends, including records with Phillip Rivers. Um, And yet, I wonder, is your last year, is the way you go out, does that change the way you look at the rest of your life? Like, will you look back at your career in a negative light because of the way you went out? And I know you kind of had that injury, so I'm sure you kind of look at that and go, I don't know if you you resented it. I never really had a career, I mean, because of the injury. But but I'm curious, when when you think of these possible Hall of Famers right. that have this rough last year, right. not everyone can go out like Jerome Bettis. No. Do you think it impacts their life after that? No, I think it might just for the first few weeks after they're done playing for the year. But no, at the end of the day, he's going to go back and he's going to remember AFC championship games, big playoff wins, late December wins. No, I, I don't think Michael Jordan's going back and looking at his career and go, man, why did I play that last year with the Wizards? He's, he's thinking, man, I was the man, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, people don't remember that Jerry Rice wore a Broncos jersey and a Seahawks jersey. Exactly right. Or that Emmett Smith was an Arizona Cardinal. So I think the big thing with Antonio Gates— I was just curious, though, like as a competitor. Right. You have this great career— and then you want to go out. You do want to. Too. I, I just know from my dad's standpoint, uh, with his years, you know, he kind of went out on a good note as far as it was his 15th year. He went to the Pro Bowl. They lost in the divisional playoff game. Yeah. Uh, what do you, I don't know if it, you're really never going to be happy unless you win the Super Bowl. I, I, I just really. And then as I an would athlete, have our time if you're not Elway or Bettis. I mean, I would have a time after winning the Super Bowl going, how, why can't I do this again? But if next he's year? thinking about it already, that's scary to me because that means maybe he needs to call it quits. Because when you're putting that in your mind as an athlete, that's when, like... Yeah, but I also think the media is asking him Right, a lot. and then the other thing I would say is don't panic if you're Antonio Gates. One year, one offseason in the NFL, you can change your football team. They, get a, they end up having a new head coach there, moving to L.A., sign two or three players, Jeez. have a good draft. All of a sudden you go, damn, San Diego's back in the playoffs. So. All right, speaking hey guys, of... Uh, before speaking we get to Collinsworth, just so you know, so you don't give him a hard time... Our Skype computer, we lost Skype for a minute, so that's why we had a couple minutes oh, late to get Chris Oh, the old so, clarification. So you know, don't give Chris a hard time. Oh, uh, I wasn't planning on it. I was. I know Chris was going to. <laughs> Chris Collinsworth, the man, the myth, the legend, the the beautiful voice between Sunday Night Football. Oh, look as at he this. Puts on his microphone. I'm putting his mic on. I like it. I Damn right, boys. What's happening? <laughs> Here we go. How are you, brother? Look at look at how soft you guys got it. You sit there in that damn studio, living a dream, drinking coffee. Guy, I wish I could be you guys one day. That actually leads in. So I've been asking weird questions to start off. Chris, what do you put in your coffee in the morning? I don't drink coffee. Wow. How do you do I don't it? Drink coffee. I don't. I, I mean, I do drink coffee, but I don't drink coffee in the morning because it makes my head pound and. <laughs> I drink it after dinner at night. Don't, I'm I, I'm a screwed up person. I am not a normal human being. You drink coffee after dinner at night? I do. I do. <laughs> do you drink coffee before a game, or is it strictly like a relaxing decaf? Mountain Dew. 
Mountain yeah, Dew. Yeah, baby, I love it. That is the Kentucky in you, man. It is. There's no question about it. Because you got to, you got to, you got to turn on a few electrodes <laughs> in your brain, right? You know, there comes a point in time, and still Fred Gadelli every every once in a while come on and go. Chris, you sound bored. I'm like, I feel like I'm yelling up here. <laughs> so <laughs> much. How can I sound bored? But it, it is unbelievable that you got to like go into your showbiz voice. I don't know what the hell that is, but that's that's what you got to do. Yeah, we got uh, it too. We yeah, got my brother showbiz. makes fun of me all the time because we're like, here's Adam. Good to see you. I'm glad you're cranked out on do. Um, so we watched last night Odell Beckham Jr. put on another show, six games in a row, 100 or more receiving yards. Chris was beforehand going, I mean, he is right now the best wide receiver in the NFL. Collinsworth, I want to ask you, realistically, not saying he could be one of the best of all time, what do you think Odell Beckham Jr.'s ceiling is as a pro if he keeps this up? Um, he could be certainly one of the best. That's a, that's a pretty high standard with Jerry Rice sitting on top of that list. But, um, this guy makes remarkable catches with both hands, but I still think the thing he does best. And remember, we've really not seen him full speed, full speed yet. You know, he's a guy that has had hamstring problems throughout Mm -hmm. the course of his career. And when those, you know, if you've ever had a hamstring, and I know Chris is, you know, like a 4-2 runner, but (laughs) if you've ever had a hamstring, you never really trust what's going to happen next, right? If you really push it, then you're always thinking in the back of your mind that sucker's going to pop again, right? And and yet, with so we haven't seen him full speed, I don't think, yet. And, And the thing that people don't talk about that just blows me away is that his ability to change directions is as good as I have ever seen in the National Football League. Now, listen to me now. I've seen a lot of old farts playing football. (laughs) This is as good as I have ever seen. He almost doesn't need, like, I've seen receivers that take five steps to stop and turn. The great ones take three. I feel like sometimes he takes one or two and, and can come out of these breaks. So you add the ability to go vertical and catch it, right, like a Larry Fitzgerald kind of thing. You add the ability like a Mike Wallace to run by people and catch it. You add these crazy one-handed catches and catch it, and you add the change of direction. Well, there's nothing else on the list. You know, that's it. That's, that's what we've got. Is, Rice, and, is Jerry Rice attainable for Odell Beckham Jr.? I know that's crazy. It's not crazy because of the way the game's played today. You're yeah. going to get... Uh, at the top end of my career, I was always sort of in the top five, six receivers when I was playing, and it was between, you know, 55 and 70 catches, somewhere in there. That's sort of where really the top end was. But now, but I never caught one single pass on the goal line. They took us out on the goal line, wow. right? And I never caught one quick screen, you know, where they just raise up and throw the ball to the wide receivers on the outside. And so, you know, I think that you're going to be in the 100-catch range with Odell Beckham for most of his career. So if he stays healthy, could he get around some of those numbers? Yeah, I think it's possible. Is it better to compare him to Rice or Randy Moss in terms of, like, impacting a defense in a game? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know, if, I don't know if you can compare him to anybody right now. I think he's one of the rare breeds to ever come in football, kind of like Chris is saying, because – 
He's got that explosive nature to go up and catch jump balls. Jerry Rice didn't really have that part of his game, mm. yet he has the Jerry Rice part of his game where he can be a sharp route runner, really stick his foot in the ground, catch a slant route, yeah. take it 80 yards like a Jerry Rice. It's a rare combination of, wow. uh, yeah, it's detailed route running, explosiveness, great hands. Uh, he is – he – if stays healthy, he will be in the conversations with the Rice, the Mosses, the Terrell Owens. Oh my he's gosh. that kind of special guy. He, re- I, I truly agree. Uh, so, Chris Collinsworth, so you do think he's the best receiver in football right now, though, right? So, I, I'm hearing all you say that. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great receivers in football right now. Yeah, there I is. Mean, there really is. Antonio Brown has special. kind of put this thing back to back. Julio Jones physically mm. is as gifted as anybody I see I mean I I really I think that guy if he stays healthy yeah is going to do some unbelievable stuff out there so and, and those and Antonio Brown has now put together three straight years of just unbelievable and you add the punt returns to it uh you know so there's a lot of things that that go into that discussion but um the best of the best I think he's certainly in the discussion craziest thing about Antonio Brown is I'll see him 20 yards down the field on a three-step drop and the defender's like seven yards away he just gets open whenever he wants it's unbelievable Chris Uh, you're you're doing Arizona Philly on Sunday what is the weakness of the Arizona Cardinals because they look pretty damn perfect to me um, I, I think they're making the transition at running back with David Johnson coming in there, but he's ready. You know, the last time we did one of their games three weeks ago, something like that, they felt like that he was just about there. Now, Bruce Arians is not a guy that wants to play a bunch of rookies all the time. You know, he, he, he doesn't believe in, in that part of it. Oh, excuse you. Yeah, excuse starts, you. Sure, yeah. Starts ringing. You know, you <laughs> is, guys are big. Is but that Al Michaels mean, calling? I, I, Actually, I hung up on Al Michaels to talk to your guys. Sorry, bud. That's and then awesome. the, the great Fred Gadelli, who is the most fantastic producer in all the land, I just hung up on him, too. So, big time. Wow. Much, big time. You guys know how big you are. That gives you some idea right there. That's why we like you. All right, so I want to ask you, too, since you get to see so many great football teams, I just want the honest Chris Collinsworth opinion. Who's the best team to your eye that you've seen in person this year on Sunday Night Football? Um, kind of tough after watching the Patriots last mm, week to right. not talk about them, and especially when they're getting their weapons back. If they get Edelman back at the end of the year, that is going to be a, a tough team to handle. Right. But the strange part about it, and I think the really fun part about this football season, is that I'm not so sure the two best teams are still on the border to even make the playoffs being Pittsburgh and Seattle. You know, Pittsburgh missed all those games with Roethlisberger to make the switch over from Le'Veon Bell. This was a baby defense. This was a really young defense to start the year that had all kinds of issues in the secondary. And now Mike Mitchell has kind of come in there and been the thumper back there that a little bit that Polamalu was able to do, and he can really run and do some of that stuff. Their corners are getting a little bit better. They transitioned away from Mike Taylor and, and some of those guys. So Pittsburgh, to me, is a scary good team at the end of it. I, I, in the AFC, my gut tells me we're going to see a championship game between Pittsburgh and New England. That's, I, I could be wrong. I'm not even sure Pittsburgh makes the playoffs. That's, you know, that's yeah. kind of where they are right now. Assuming they manage to get themselves into the playoffs, I still think that'll be the matchup. And I, and I think that the team that is going to scare everybody uh, and, and you've got to start with Carolina. Obviously, they're undefeated. They deserve to be. They deserve the attention they get. 
that defense is second to none. I, you know, the two linebackers they have inside with Keekley and Thomas are, are just such a show to watch. Josh Norman on the back end, this K1 short uh, up, up front on the front line uh, has added some pressure. So they're fantastic. And I don't want to Cam Newton's playing better than I've ever seen Cam Newton play again, starting to make plays and all that. But Seattle, you know, and we talked about Arizona a little bit. Carson Palmer, very much an MVP hunt. But Seattle, I've never seen Russell Wilson play as well from the pocket. I've never seen Doug Baldwin make the kind of plays that Doug Baldwin's making right now. And we know what we're going to get out of the defense. We know what the back end's going to give us. I think that that sort of transition, they got the two edge guys. So, um, Seattle is going to be really tough to handle here down the stretch. Seattle, I am not sold on Seattle just because I, I think they've played some of the worst pass defenses in football, which was, you know, Pittsburgh, the Niners, the Ravens. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm not quite buying onto that yet. I, I totally understand your thinking. And I'm, I'm, I know their defense will dominate all the poor people in the NFL, but I don't know their defense is going to dominate the rich part of the NFL. Uh, I mean, it was just two weeks ago they went 450 yards. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so I, I guess that's my big point there. Sure. I don't even know why I wanted Your to say retort, that. Mr. Let Collins me just tell you right. something. Yeah. I have yet to meet anybody, any of those poor people in the NFL. Who are they? <laughs> Everybody I've met in the NFL is rich as they can be. I mean the poor offenses like the Baltimore Ravens of last week. That's what yeah. I was referring to, uh, right? I'm curious because – Everyone thinks everyone's job in the media is really easy. You go on there, you watch football, you talk. They don't see you there studying film for hours on end. I'm curious, now that everyone's watching Sunday Night Football, and I think you guys do a great job, what's the hardest part about doing Sunday Night Football? You hit on it. It's just the work. I mean, I start on Monday uh, coming home from the prior game to get ready and you know the hard part is you're doing two teams that you see sometimes it's the first time you've really studied them all year long and sometimes you've seen them once or something early in the season and I have to my my goal every week it really is to know as much as the local cab driver in Pittsburgh knows about the Steelers. Hmm. I mean, these people have watched every game of the Steelers for the, for their entire lifetime. <laughs> they know everything about that franchise. I'm not kidding you. When I get in a cab, when I'm in, in a different city, I, I, I'm debriefing the cab driver. I'm <laughs> like, tell me everything. Tell me what the issues are. Tell me what the, you know, all this different stuff. And so when you're trying, and I, mean, I don't know what, Chris, your routine is, but on Monday, I, I read everything I can possibly read, and I start memorizing the names. I spend one full day on Tuesday watching film on one team, one full day on Wednesday watching film on the other team. One full day on Thursday talking to all the coaches and compiling the notes and all that. Right. Friday we travel, and go, or Thursday night we travel. Friday we meet with one team and interview everybody. Saturday we meet with the other team. Saturday night I'm up till 1 o'clock in the morning putting it all together. And Sunday I work until game time to, to try and put it in some order that I can figure it out. So there is awesome. not a day off. There is not an hour off. My wife is about at wit's end at this point in the year because, you know, she's like, no, you're putting that down now and we're going to dinner. Um, so that's what I do. I go to dinner at that point. But that's that's when I take a break. That's it. And that's why afterwards he takes the coffee to go back to the film and get that's after right. it again. Uh, so I, I always like to ask, uh, you know, old players like you and Phil Sims and Howie Long, you old guys. Uh, some history questions. So I want to know toughest cover 
for you in the NFL when you were in the prime of your career? Who was the one DB you were like, man, I got to go against him today? You know, the funny thing is it's it's all about matchups, you know, and, and I thought one of the, the best guys that I ever played against is somebody you probably never even heard of. It's a guy named Frank Minifield in Cleveland. Sure, I know Frank Minifield, number 31. Don't yeah. you can't hey. question me. Yeah, Hanford Dixon was a good player on the other side, but Minifield, he was a little guy. Right. Uh, he could jump out of the gym, uh, lightning quick, could get his hands on you. You know, Michael Haynes in, in Oakland, right. Lester Hayes. I remember yeah. Lester Hayes, one time I cut Lester Hayes on the very first play of the game and uh, on a cut block because they're up bump and run. So I'm like, All right, I'm going to chop his knees out here just to, so he, gets, he doesn't get settled in, in trying to take me on all day. As soon as I knock him down, he's laying on top of me. And, of course, he had a little bit of an issue speaking. But after a few seconds, managed to let me know that he's getting ready to poke my eyes out if I ever did that to him. (laughs) That's the way it was back in the day, you know. That's awesome. Well, it's funny. I watched uh, Cincinnati-Pittsburgh this weekend, and I feel like after every single play there was a fight. And then I think back to older eras of football. That wasn't flagged. We weren't worrying about anything. We were letting it happen. What was the craziest either fight on the field or locker room fight that you saw that you look at today's game and go, that would have never happened or social media would have been a buzz about it? Um, I, one time, I forget who we were, maybe Minnesota, and I got clotheslined on a play. You know, I caught a pass and this guy clotheslined me and, you know, I thought took my head off. And I, it, it was like there was no, I didn't even think about it. I just, I just jumped off the ground and grabbed this guy by the helmet and smashed his head on the ground and then got up and walked back to the huddle. No flag. It was like, <laughs> it was like okay, you guys are even. You know, it was like a, a parent handling a, a thing or something. My favorite one, though, was Pat McAnally. And this was the year before I got here, but this is sort of a legendary story. Pat McAnally really got one of those shots today that they would have thrown the guy out of the league. Helmet to helmet, it was against Cleveland, knocked him unconscious. They dragged him off in the cart. Back in the day, of course, you know, later in the game, you're back in the game. That's, that's kind of the way it worked. So they bring him back in the game. And the very first play of the game that he was back in, the guy that hit him, McAnally went back and clipped him on the back of his legs. I mean, just like one of those take his knees out. This guy folds back under like that. The referee walked up to him and he goes, all right, you guys are even now. That's it. No more. But that's kind of the way the game was Jeez. a little bit more back then. You know, now it's, you know, you get fined and flagged and you know, all that. We, we sort of settled scores ourselves then back in the day. Awesome. I love going down the, the road. The old with that. school, baby. So good. Chris, thank you for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Have a good game <laughs> this week, Chris. Thanks, man. All right, Adam, Chris. Good seeing you. See you, How dude. How's it going, man? Uh, geez, settling the score. I mean, the old Those school. Those stories are so good. Oh, I want it to happen still today, but I know, like, health wise and, and player wise, it's smarter to do it the way they're doing it now. I but guess. when you hear that, <laughs> you're, you're okay. Excuse me, yeah. There's like a romantic sense to it. We just settled the school with there. That, why Chris can't Collins we do that? Chris took that guy's head and smashed it in the ground, Josh. I know you can't right. hear it. Right. I mean, Pac-Man Jones, they wanted people to suspend him for the year when he did that so in week I, one. Because I can't hear Chris, I have to judge the interview by your guys' reactions yeah. to it. And the last five minutes of that was, it was great. top but, quality. It was awesome. I, I don't know why they can't just make NFL players just sign a waiver and be like, I'd rather be hit in the head. Don't chop my knees out. Let's go back to playing football. 
Thank you. I mean, can we just sign? Like, it's an I, interesting waiver. I mean, ending with a thank please. You. I, 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 you hear every player say it, right? I, I mean, everybody. Go for my head. I'd rather my head than my legs. I mean, yeah. everybody. Gronkowski, whether it be Tom Brady talking about it. So uh, I, I know as me as an ex-player, I would much rather you hit my head than my knees. Scott, I, you know what? And when you hear Collinsworth talk about his daily thing, how do you compare that to your? I mean, because. There is a lot of pressure when you're Forget the that. I, I, mean, I didn't want to make it about you know me or the Sims, but I mean, just my dad's got two of those games every week. That's the number one thing that's, I was thinking. Your dad's doing crazy. Thursday and Sunday right. because he has it, and that sounds like a ton of work. Two sounds crazy. Yeah, I'm sure crazy. your dad has reached a point. He's where... ready for the season to be over. He's ready for Thursday night football to be over. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one from CBS listens to this podcast. Uh, they probably don't. They no, probably but don't. I think I think we could all say. I mean, the the years a grind. I mean, there's times where we look at our jobs and I'm like, man, I'm I'm excited to talk about the draft. Yeah, it's a little bit easier than but, the NFL. Yeah, but at the same time, we shouldn't be complaining. No, I mean, yeah. this job is awesome. Right. right. Hey, Gabe. Hey, buddy. Um, all right. So he was talking about. Uh, the, the fighting on the field. Uh, Pac-Man had an Instagram video right. where he pretty much, and then he recently pulled it, where he's pretty much like, and I'm not going to imitate Pac-Man, but he pretty much said, you're going to come at Vontez Perfect, say you're going to get him on the field or off. You're not. He said bitches, which I thought was hilarious. Um, fighting on the field, what did you think about all the fights? And and just, <sighs> is that Pittsburgh-Cincinnati, just one of those rivalries? Yeah, it's And part, should the refs right. jump in? Because everyone's saying, man, they should have talked to the coaches, jumped in. What did you think? Yeah, I, I think they need to jump in right away. I think that's why you didn't see as many of those old school, like true team scuffles back in the day in the 80s and everything. Uh, yeah, at some point, the refs need to jump in. you got to warn both sidelines. Listen, next next crap, riffraff that goes on after the whistle. I'm throwing flags, and usually guys will act yeah, accordingly from there they didn't do that out. at all. No, they did not. I, I feel like they might have done it maybe fourth quarter-ish. I feel like there was finally some Which sort of so warning. like after the but Yeah, you got to nip that in the bud right off the bat, uh, especially if there's an early, you know, like, like George Iloka, uh, or no, not George Iloka, who was it that got the, the big hit on Eifert's head? It was Mitchell, I believe. Mm. Uh, Who's been knocking people out all year. Yeah, that was that was pretty egregious right at the head. I mean, that those are the type of things where you throw the flag. Have you been in a game that had fighting for, like, the entire first half? Uh, I was definitely some Tampa-Carolina Panthers games. Uh, I was a rookie. I wasn't playing. But Carolina was, of course, trying to be the new champ. And we we were the champs. There was definitely jawing leading up to that game during the game. So when that's happening, is Gruden egging it on? Or no. is he saying being smart? How yeah, do you usually do coaches are very be it smart, stop dealing with that bull crap, let's just focus on the game. Coaches sometimes get frustrated with that because they feel like they're losing their concentration. Does fighting help the, the better team or the team that's not as talented? The team that's not as talented, in my opinion, right? Because the, the better team... Uh, the better team usually better. You're just trying to do something to rattle them, throw them Mess off the up game. Their focus. Hopefully, they get a 15-yard penalty, sure. whether it be like a, like uh, who was it last night in the Giants-Dolphins game? Jarvis Landry. What do you have? Two 15-yard penalties last night? Yeah. I mean, that's that's stupid. It really hurt his team too. All right. So situations. that's one aspect fighting, which I think is is just interesting to me. Another thing that happened this weekend. Uh, Jay Z was in the St. Louis Rams locker room after the game. Right. Uh, he goes out there. And because hey, I believe baby. he represents Todd Gurley for Rock Nation, right? Uh, which is very interesting that it's it's a little bit crazy that you could have an agency that has a super famous guy. I have seen Jay-Z at basketball games, right. and you see LeBron, like, stopping playing to talk to him. I've seen him at Kentucky basketball games, and the college players are just like, right. Jay-Z. He is the kind of person that 
is a game changer in terms of he can ruin a professional athlete's focus right. because he's that famous. Yet, go on Bleacher Report, look at some of the Instagram videos and the pictures. Jay-Z almost looks a little overwhelmed to be in an NFL locker room because <laughs> right. these guys are enormous, and I don't think they're kind of people that have been intimidating people their entire lives. Right, it's a different Jay-Z culture. Jay-Z is, is asked to break down the huddle, right. and he goes, <laughs> what do I say? And the guy's <laughs> like, just do it, Jay-Z. Like, say whatever you want. And he goes, one, two, three. And then afterwards, they're all like, man, Jay- that was the worst huddle breakdown ever. <laughs> have you had athletes in your locker or like celebrities in your locker yeah. room, and how do they react to NFL players? Well, first of all, I mean, Jay-Z in the NFL, it is a different animal, the NFL locker room. It's 53 guys. It's coaches that are a little uptight a little to do to a degree. But this is after a game, man. They all get their shirts they off. They got their They're shirts enormous. on. You're definitely seeing some big guys. You're also seeing some, like, you know, country offensive linemen, whoever else. are like, I don't give a shit about rap music. Mm. Great. Jay-Z, great. They don't give a I want to go home. I want to go drink a beer, whatever yeah. it is. But so there's a little bit of that. Uh, it is a different environment altogether. And, you know, did he really, uh, you know, you see him in the NBA. He's got common bonds with other guys. Right. So it's like he comes up to LeBron. So he knows LeBron. If you know LeBron, then you know the whole Cavaliers team. because That's he's very like, true. Welcome in to our and team. there's like 14 guys. Right, exactly. The NFL, you can know one guy. But you're like, nah, I don't know any of the 52 other guys. Yes. And they're all big with their shirts and off. And the guy you know is a rookie. Right, exactly right. So there's not a lot of stock there. Uh, I mean, they had some really cool experiences, whether it be um, George Bush in the locker room before a game at Texas. I mean, I got the bench press with George Bush. That was phenomenal. You told that story. That uh, was yes. great. Uh, you know, Lance Armstrong coming through in the locker room on his Tampa bike. Tampa or Texas? They had him in Texas as well. He came on his bike? He would come on his bike. He actually rode his bike out to the 50-yard line to flip the coin one year. Um, so that, I mean, he, he flipped was, it so high because that dude was juicy. He was, he was extremely nice regardless. Sure. Yes, he cheated. Uh, and Whatever. then, and then uh, Matthew McConaughey at Texas was my all-time favorite. Now, I mean, I grew up, I saw Tom Cruise in my dad's locker rooms. In the Giants? In Giants. I and mean, he was Kelsey like, Grammer, you know, would be in a locker room in Tennessee. I'm just thinking of random names. Wait a second. Tam, Tam, hold on, hold on. How did people react to Kelsey Grammer in a Tennessee I don't think Titans most locker? people even had a clue it was Kelsey Grammer. He literally came up to me and he was like this, stuck his hand out. And I like just going to stick my hand out. I was like, You're oh, like some Frazier? weird guy. And then I, I literally did. I was like, oh, oh, I did. I think I said Frazier. And he went, oh, Kelsey Grammer, nice to meet you. Which he to was me, awesome Kelsey dude. Grammer walks in in like a T-shirt and a scarf. And he's like, what a pedestrian sport. I think he had a long play. coat on in the scarf. Of course he But he, he was did. a cool dude. He really was. He's I, a Tessie Titans fan? I, I, Don't yes, I think Kelsey he lives in the area. Ridiculous. I think he lives in that, that area, Nashville, right? So See, he that's was the around. difference. The Rams were getting <clears throat> Jay-Z. The Titans are getting Kelsey yeah, Grammer. Who else did you have in, in man, Tampa? Man, Tampa, you know. Because Tampa would be a crazy locker room to walk I in. I know. Too. Tampa, I know. I think I feel like I'm missing people in Tampa altogether uh, because it would be a crazy locker room. When we had Warren Sapp down there, they were stars themselves. So a lot of people wanted to come see him. Matthew McConaughey is my all-time favorite, though. Why? Because Matthew McConaughey, I would run out before the game, and he would be at 50-yard line. And, you know, Matt probably had a few beers at that point. And he, all right, Chris, here we go, baby. We're going to whoop him today. And he'd be cheering me on as I'm warming up. I'd be throwing, like, you know, warm-up balls down the sidelines. And you got McConaughey. And I got Matthew McConaughey sitting behind me going, like, yeah, good spiral. All right, like saying things like that. But the best would be at a Friday, a Friday practice. He would come out to practice, and he mo- most times or not had cargo pants that he had cut with a scissor, which were, they were not very professional looking. He invented cargo pants. Yes, shorts. they had ink stain, ink stain. I mean, he literally wore the same ones every time. <laughs> and then he would come out. I might ask him a few questions about movies he was doing, whatever yeah. else. 
he, I'd be warming up. He'd run around like a child. He'd be like, throw the ball, throw the ball. And I'd throw him the ball. We'd start practice. And while we would practice, he would jog around our field. And so he'd jog 100. Then he'd do like 25 push-ups. He'd jog the width of the field, get to that corner, do 25. He'd do it the whole practice, shirt off. So that's why he got a few cuts in him and everything. Yeah. But he was one of my all-time favorites. I mean, one of his stories once was, go, what have you been up to lately, McConaughey? He goes, you know what I was just doing? I was just in Africa. I went from tribe to tribe and wrestled the biggest guy in every tribe. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. Are you kidding? And I was like, what? Who does that? And he's like, yep, I went and challenged the biggest guy in a wrestling match in every tribe. Uh, so he's, he's a hilarious guy. What a human being. What a human you being. You know what I just thought of after hearing that? You had a relationship with McConaughey. We've had Idris Ilba. Let's send his PR people the footage. McConaughey oh. on the podcast. Oh, McConaughey. That would be awesome. McConaughey and then the other guy. Dude, he this always, is, I think this is doable. <clears throat> Send him a Chris Sims headshot. He might do it. He's cool. Uh, the thing I'll say, too, the guy, he was oh, in God, Goodwill we'll Hunting. The guy that's in the backseat of Goodwill Hunting all the time. He's got the red hair. You know, he plays the Irish part. He's been in a lot of other movies. I'm blanking on his uh, name. Is it the guy? It's not the Affleck brothers. It's the other guy. Michael, uh, the guy that was in the Spike Lee movie. Uh, Matt Damon? No. No, not Matt Damon. We know. Uh, you got to look up the name. No, Can Michael, you, there's only four guys in Goodwill. We'll look five it up. guys. We'll look it up. But he was he was cool. You know who's Rappaport? the Michael Rappaport? Might be Is red he, hair. Yes. He's like kind of cursing. Woody with the Woody? Same. I think Maybe. that's who I was thinking. It was Let Michael me see Rappaport. the picture if you come up with it. Uh, you know who the uh, oh no I was, yeah you know who the Michael the uh, Matthew McConaughey would be of our group. Stephen Nelson, who's ready for on the download. Disagree. Yeah, no. You're not the math we got, eh? How come, how come you can't get the president, President Bush? You know, he's your we boy. should try and get W. George Dub. Uh, no, that's the guy from, uh, Ec- or, you know, that's not him. American History X, right? That's not the same guy. All right. We'll see. I don't know. All right. Either uh, way, nobody cares. Hi, hey, Nelson. Hello, guys. Uh, nice hey, to be back. Hey, buddy. Yeah, um, that would be awesome if we could get George G Dub in here. Yeah, G Dub would actually be fun. But again, another. If we funny... had George W. Bush and Matthew McConaughey, I'm feeling pretty good. Going back to your Jay Z <laughs> thing too, though. You know, you talk about like okay, George W. Bush. He comes to practice in Tampa. I knew him from Texas. We're having a toss. You're having a catch with George W. I, I have a catch. I have an autographed picture. Him signed it. Everything like he sent it to me. But really cool. Yeah. So he I sent have, it to you. He sent it to me. Right after I got hurt, on the presidential note paper, which is amazing. That's the coolest thing about it is the paper. It's like that thick. It's the pipe. But, uh, yeah, so I'm having a catch with the president, which is really cool. And there's like and he a, was the president at the time. He was the president at the time, and there was a sniper on top. Dude, so if you threw it too hard, sniper, you were done. He pull, the best part of the story is he pulls up in his, you know, Cadillac Escalade Air Force One car right, or whatever, right, right. and the doors are this thick, so you can see they're very well protected. I asked the Secret Service if I could touch the door. They said no. Uh, but uh, Child. I, did. I was that, like, can so. I feel the door? How heavy it is? This explains Philip, your son, yeah, so much. So, Phil, but then, nonetheless, the best part of the story is John Gruden, Bruce Allen, our GM. I'm there with Mike Allstott and Rondé Barber because we're the captains of the team. So they're going to shake George Bush's hands first. George Bush comes out of that Cadillac, and he blows right by Gruden and Drew Sackles. Chris Sims, my old Texas buddy. He blew them out. It was my favorite part of the story. That's amazing. You know what's funny? I was like, eat that, Gruden. You don't we, care about you. We've talked about Spider before like like that. Your, your recruitment in the different schools, right. your experiences at Texas, and what that provides. Phenomenal. Because it is a, a religion. podcast down. on that. 
What's yeah. up? Like Willie Nelson coming to practice and stuff. Yeah, Wait, Willie Nelson what? coming to practice. Yeah. Uh, DJ Steinmetz is already spinning. It's spinning, baby. Um, it's spinning, Steven. It's spinning. As I'm sure you guys have heard, we have a new. <laughs> I wasn't ready for the voice. Sports person of the year, and it is not a horse. And a lot of people are angry about it. I didn't know how to make that smooth. But right. Serena Williams, right. named Sports Person of the Year by Sports Illustrated. And the internet is outraged because it was not awarded to American Pharaoh. Right. Again, a horse. Right. My question for you two is simple. Yeah. Who is your sports, sports person? Of the year. Go for it, Sims. Mine's American Pharaoh. I, and I, I don't mean any, I, any disrespect to Serena Williams. Uh, I, I'm really a huge fan of hers. I, I like women's tennis. I watch a lot of it. But that was the first since, what, 1978? 1976. Right, okay. So No, 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 excuse no, me. You were correct. Yeah. 1978 was, was right? affirmed. And Secretary the jockey, was in 76. And right. the jockey won sports person of the year. So I, I do think that's won. special. Yeah. And Which I mean, is crazy. In my lifetime, yeah. to, that was the first time jockey in my lifetime to see American or anybody win the Triple Crown. I think that was uh, a pretty special event, especially for a horse that nobody wanted at first. I do think that, uh, but I, I, if I, mean, I were to break it down like this, right. Serena goes three of four of her Grand Slams. Right. She was incredible at that age to go 53 and three and all that. American Pharaoh had four big races. Right. The Triple Crown and the Breeders' Cup. Right. They won all four, if we're comparing. Right. Now, if we're talking about sports person, and you're going to get l- like like that, Literally, yeah. I do not think the jockey of the horse should win, because I've interviewed so many jockeys in my life, and they all say, I didn't do anything, it was the horse. Right. But I, I do think that... When, when American Pharaoh won, that was 2015, the biggest sports moment. Right. I don't know if Serena winning ever, I ever went, that's a huge, huge 2015 I, moment. Agree, uh, exactly right. Agreed. And I would, argue, I would argue she might have not had the best year in tennis altogether, right? Didn't, am I wrong or did Djokovic win three out of four? He just lost the French Open and he made it to the finals in all four. She did not make it to the finals mm. in all four, so... Uh, she's it awesome. is tough. I do wrong. think the, the interesting paradigm of the whole story is that the biggest story I thought about Serena Williams was she had this great run, and everyone was talking about how it was disrespectful that Maria Sharapova was getting more advertising uh, and, and marketing than her. Huh. So I think it is fitting that even when she wins Sports Person of the Year, we're talking about disrespect. Yeah, well, so she's I, so dominating, too. So To it's, me, it's almost like a career no, sure, achievement sure. award for her. Right. I do not think there was any other athlete right, she that was, I think should be up against those two maybe uh, i don't know steph curry getting that conversation i think steph curry maybe for well it's tough because when you look at the 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 years i mean lebron james should have been into it he's the only guy i know in basketball that could have took that team to the finals i don't know it is interesting i mean if you look at the beginning of the year steph curry wins the championship and the end of the year they go on a 24-0 run right and he for me the the names that i'll never forget for 2015 american pharaoh ronda rousey steph curry those are the three that i think we've taught and and Tom Brady, Roger Goodell, Deflategate. Those were the four. Attack. And Set Blatter, FIFA. Those yeah. were the storylines that we uh, talked about the most. Yeah. I'd prefer you never put me between your legs. Oh, ever. hey there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, right. the you haven't seen your girlfriend in a while. <laughs> Actually, she was here for a week. I know. I didn't get to say hi to her at the party. I'm uh, disappointed. That's on you. We were yeah. looking for you. Uh, second one, I do need my diner menu. <laughs> it's on it's you. downloading. It is downloading. Did the beat already drop? I don't Just have my IFP. Just yeah, the hell with those IFPs. Justice Winslow, rookie forward for the Miami Heat. Oh, right. Duke kid. Yes. But, but he could not get through Duke without a little help. Ah. 
Here's a tweet from Justice Winslow recently. Uh-uh. Wikipedia <laughs> is like asking for education. donations. Might have to do it. Wouldn't have gotten through high school without it. Definitely not do. Hashtag loyalty. Wikipedia. My question for you two is, which student shortcut, let's Ooh. call it, did you rely on the most in school? God, Sims oh. is going to have someone. Some, it's going to be like a hundred dollar handshake. He's going to say it. It's going to cause an people issue. for hire. Uh, nah. um, I'm going to. I'm going to upset my parents with this one. I mastered in high school this move, which was the taking a test, but like having amazing vision on this side. Right. So I definitely learned <laughs> which people to sit next to during tests Old and all that stuff. Old school right there. Yeah. Um, and then I, I remember in high school. In high school, so this was before. Uh, you could see anything on the internet. There was this website called Pink Monkey, which would, and I, if, if you know, you know, it was Spark Notes, but yeah. online. And Pink Monkey, I read so many books via Pink Monkey. Wow. That was my That's cheating. That's funny, I know, because in my era, I, mean, I didn't really think about the computer, like, let me look it up all the time. Right. Uh, which is actually it funny. Probably, internet was probably high school. Yeah, what I was your like, college years? Uh, Ninety nine to two thousand. So it was definitely there then. But, but it wasn't established. High school, like yeah, early on in my career, I definitely don't remember going on the computer and being like, oh, let me look this up. I definitely wasn't going on high school. I was definitely an old school cheater. Uh, just like you mean? said, you know, the old, uh, oh, let me see what he's yeah. got over there. Let me sit next to the smartest guy in the class or the smartest <laughs> the teachers, guy that will be friendly with me. The teachers had to know this stuff. Uh, the teachers had to know that the person that never participated, that never I sat was, next to the smart kid, right. the next day was sitting next to the smart kid. Right. High school, though, I mean, I, I was not too bad in high school. College, I yeah, had a kid. On, and my, yo, I got lots of, I got so many things. I don't want to totally throw Texas under the... Uh, NCA ban here, uh, but yeah, no. I just want one. We had a guy. We had a kid, Sam. Right, Sam was on my fourth floor Jester dorm. Jester dorm at University of Texas. At one time, it was the biggest dorm in the country. I don't know if it still is, but so they always had to sprinkle in a few regular students, right? Because the football players couldn't have the whole wing, or right, right, right. we'd get you know like the Bobby Bowden Nike gifts sent to her. Yeah. That's why that stopped that. Uh, a kid, Sam, he was from Boston. He got a 1,600 on his SATs. So I heard that, and I was like, doot, doot, doot. Uh, and he was only a few doors down, and he went to Texas. He got into every school he wanted, but he wanted to go to Texas because he wanted to have fun at college, That's right? an awesome kid, and, actually. Yes, yeah. and uh, I had some, definitely some papers and things like that where, when in doubt, let me go to Sam. So Sam, Sam, I got a 12-page paper due in like two days. I haven't really paid attention in this class in a while, since like the second day of class, actually. And Sam would help me out. And Sam... What does helping out mean? Did he write the whole thing? Pretty much, right. He wrote, so then, yeah, he wrote he, the whole what thing. What would you give him but Then he might give me it back, and I might throw in my own words. He God, never your wanted words must have been money. Great. He never wanted money. I hope Sam watches this, because then he would be a great tweeter into this. Uh, he wanted just to come out and party with the football players. So he would cut. So when you would you like would, would, it, would you treat it like, like it was his birthday? Spot. You're like, dude, we're 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 treating Sam. Big I mean, time. he I treated him like he was a big time recruit coming into town. Sam, come on, let's go. We're going out. Let's What's go the best girls, party you ever drink. had with Sam? I mean, the best thing about Sam is we were at a bar called Side Street, and Sam wasn't quite used to the uh, you know the, the lifestyle, the rock star life yet. We had gone out drinking, then we went to the bar to chase girls, and about halfway through the bar scene. Sam turned green and just a fountain of puke went <laughs> into the middle of the. Huge puke bowl, huge puke puddle right in the middle of the club. That was Sam's first experience with the football players. How many times did you say you went out? And then, with Sam? oddly enough, Kyle Shanahan, who was there with me at Texas, uh, 
he was there and, and he was, the bouncer's like, what do we do with this guy? And Kyle, I don't think, realized he was in me. He was like, oh, kick him out of here. <gasps> right. Oh, so I had like, damage control on the other end, too. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment, though, where you looked at Sam and you were like, man, this kid's having a great time? Yeah, Sam loved it. That's he was, awesome. He was having a good time. That's great. Good for Thanks, you, Sam. Sam. Making dreams come true. All right, so I have not looked ahead at the games. I do nope. not know what they are, so I apologize to Cam and Josh. <laughs> I will try and be quick. Real quick. I know it's something we've been Cam and on. Josh, the hell with those two. So, oh, I like thanks, them. Chris. That's great. Yeah. So, I like Lefko, you evened it up last week, so oh. we're all tied. Game number one. Oh, we're all tied. Get out of here. That was aggressive. That was like really unnecessary. <laughs> aggressive. The only game that you guys disagreed I got too on much last coffee. week was Cincinnati-Pittsburgh. I you were looking for more. Lefko, you had Pittsburgh. Oh, because I, I bet on Ben Roethlisberger and Andy Dalton. Yeah. To me, that was revenge for the Minnesota game where I lost Harrison Smith and all the injuries right. you lost to Andy Dalton. Yeah. What did we go overall But they were hurt week? before that game. You stupidly picked them when they were Three, Lefko was three and two. Yeah, I mean, dude, some of these games. You guys are both wrong on Buffalo, Philly. You guys both picked Buffalo. Yeah, and uh, you guys both picked Chicago against the Redskins. Mm, that was a tough. They had game. it, Robbie Gold, man. What the hell? All right, get into. Well, it. that's Let's where go. we're starting. Chicago and Minnesota, Lefko. Um, I'm going to go Minnesota. I, they ended the game against Arizona. I was really impressed, and I think they're going to be able to run on Chicago. Yeah, I think so, too. And Chicago officially being out of that playoff race, you know, Minnesota's got something to play for. The, the emotions will be on Minnesota's side. This one's for Gabe. Carolina at New York. No, this is not even a question to me. This is me? <laughs> Carolina. I'm just, I'm just saying Carolina. I'm taking the New York Giants. The Giants are at home. They're desperate. They have to win. <laughs> I don't think right Carolina. I mean, I wasn't expecting to get a game. Yeah. There, I'm going to go with the Giants. Just, and I understand Carolina's a better team, but I'm going to go with the desperation mode. Also, Carolina. They've wrapped up at least a first-round bye, if I'm not, if I'm right, right. I don't know. And they may have. I do think the Giants kind of match up with Carolina in the right areas. You know, Which you way? always hear me. Carolina plays a lot of zone defense. Eli Manning and them, they will pick apart a zone defense. Wow. Too much zone, and they ain't going to put Josh Norman man-to-man on Odell I Beckham just, Jr. Do you think all day. that offensive line is going to be able to protect against Carolina? Well, we say that every week, but yet Eli Manning seems to have a good week throwing it. So, I, I'm, yeah, I, will it be pretty? No. And I just think their defense is good enough, Spagnola's good enough to scare um, them I don't off, need so. to make any points. I feel yeah. very confident about sure. that game. Okay, God, that's a, that's a freebie, Josh. <laughs> and that's why I picked it as one of the games to pick because I thought I had a feeling you were going to pick the Giants. Yeah, I'm going so. the Giants. Going desperation. Sweet. Green Bay at Oakland. Left go. Oh, oh. Uh, Sorry, Cam and Josh. I am going to go Green Bay because I do not think Oakland is ready mentally to do back-to-back wins. They have not done it all year, and yeah. I just don't think they're mentally capable of coming off a huge win over Denver right. and then beating Aaron Rodgers. That is a, and a, that secondary against Aaron Rodgers just scares the hell out of me. Scariest thing. I'm going with the Oakland Raiders though. I'm going with the Oakland Raiders. Yes, we are having a duel today. Yeah, uh, I feel so. I good know right the now. secondary. The secondary. You're exactly right about Oakland, but I mean, I don't think the receivers for Green Bay could separate from Nelson, you, and Josh in man coverage. So it's okay because I just I heard seven hips. minutes of you talking about how they've changed the identity of Green. Yeah, Bay. they're going to go power running against the biggest front seven and football. <laughs> work good. That was my curse. <laughs> I didn't think of no, that. No, I think it'd be a really good game. I mean, it's, I'm I'm not like, oh, they're going to hey, win Oakland, definitely. Oakland almost beat. Oh, that was the Jets. Well, I think last Oakland year. too. They beat the Jets, but Oakland. Yeah. I just also look at it like their offense didn't play great last week. They're going to be looking to revamp it up a little bit this week too. You get to nah, I got Green. I feel great. Yeah. I'm going to play it safe. For Denver and Pittsburgh. Go first because I need. I, I will not listen. I pro- I will cover my. I ears. don't really care. Uh, I'm going Ooh. with the Denver Broncos. Ooh. Yeah, I am. You heard me. Yeah. I didn't hear anything. Yeah. I'm going with the Denver Broncos. 
Uh, I'm going to go against the spirit of competition and say that I really liked my last two picks. I'm playing the safe and going Denver Broncos too. I'm just being real. Like this is a pick segment. I mean, but you know, you you're, you you don't think Pittsburgh's going to win? You're like they're one of the teams. Uh, I'm shocked. You but know that, what? I'll go Pittsburgh. Ah, the re- I'm going to go Pittsburgh because that Denver offense last week. Scared the crap out of me. I just love that Demarius, everyone, like... Uh, I'll go Pittsburgh. All right. I'll go Pittsburgh. No, it's, this is, I mean, that's going to be... That's a 50-50 game. Definitely a and 50-50. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go this. I'm going to take... You're going to take... I would just want to say this out loud. Yeah. I am taking Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, and Bren Roethlisberger. Right. You are taking Brock Osweiler, Eli Manning... And, and Derek Man, Carr. And Derek Carr. Right. It's not I the worst group. Not a, not Well, the yeah. last two are... My group uh, has just as many Super Bowls as yours, right? And then we have one last Actually, game. Actually, more. Yeah. <laughs> Always finishing up with Philly, Arizona on the road. Arizona. I'll take Arizona. I was going to take Philly as a risk pick, but... But now you're not? I just... I have no... I have I know what Arizona is. I have still have no idea what the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> right, are. Right. But I think they beat that Buffalo team because Buffalo doesn't know who they are either. I just have to say it's too, it's a horrible matchup. Because we didn't hit this one with Chris Collinsworth. I mean, this uh, I just we all jump on these storylines. Oh, Seattle's got it all fixed up, you know. I, I, just, I was disappointed that he said that. I was too because it's kind of the national headline, right? Everyone thinks Seattle, and I, I don't. I'm not sold on that. I think if you really look at them, uh, you got to look at the opponents they have played. Pittsburgh, the same thing. I mean, if Andy Dalton doesn't plays last week, I'm not saying they win the game, but I have a hard time thinking Andy Dalton doesn't throw for at least 350 yards mm. on that offense. I mean, A.J. McCarron threw for 280. Uh, so I think, it's, I, I think people are losing. They're getting obsessed with the sexiness of those two teams, but not looking at some of the, maybe the finer details as far as being a legit not team down the, the stretch. Right. Awesome. Right. I really So we enjoyed. got three uh, disagreements this yeah. week. I And the scary thing is, is the last few oh, weeks dumb. we've been going like two and three <laughs> on the games that we thought. So you went against the grain, which might be the smart move. I honestly wanted to self-scout and reevaluate my picks the last few weeks. Self-scout. Yeah, but what I didn't want to go too much Bill Belichick on you. All right, let's go some shoots, brother. Uh, Sims. Peace out, homies. Peace out, homies. Josh, any parting words? Uh, no parting words. Just good night, everyone. All right, Gabe, those stinky, <laughs> dirty fingers. Oh, they are so dirty. Ooh, a peace sign <laughs> and, a, and a diggle dangle. Uh, control <laughs> room. You can do some dabs. You can do whatever you want. Dance moves are available. Oh, baby. Got some handshakes. Rise back in the mix. Man, I don't know. Cam, you are the whitest man in show business. I don't know. Woody's <laughs> looking white these days. She's a little self-conscious about it. can't believe I just threw that in there. My makeup's going to be awful tomorrow. Uh, again, please subscribe, uh, Simpson Lefko on iTunes. Hit us up. Uh, we did not get to Twitter questions, and I had tweeted out that we would. Uh, Next week, let's I do a Twitter you. segment. So, Josh, hold me to that. Twitter segment. Twitter Oreo segment. Oreo cookies, we're looking for a sponsor. And we're still looking for a sponsor. McConaughey. Thanks, as always. We're going to try and get Matthew McConaughey. Oh, and, and we George actually Sunday might get Bush. Pac-Man Jones next week. And we might. Possibility. Oh. It's coming up in the next few weeks, for sure. I'm, gonna, I'm we're throwing gonna it out there. I'm going to put myself awesome. on the limb. I almost said some things I don't want to. Episode 44 coming out next week. Sins and Lefko, we love you. Keep tuning in. Kick some ass.